Welcome to My Favorite Theorem. I'm your host, Professor of Mathematics at the University of Florida, Kevin Knudsen, and this is my co-host. Hi, I'm Evelyn Lamb. I'm a math and science writer in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, cool. things are going well here. I was at the mall the other day, and like when I was leaving, I, I had to go to get my computer repaired, so I was like in a bad mood and stuff, and I was mm -hmm. leaving, and there was just, like I walked in the parking lot, beautiful view of this mountain it's a mall I don't normally go to and yeah. these mountains in the side I'm like wow this is it is amazing that I live here is this the picture you put on Twitter yeah yeah that, uh, that or was, Facebook yeah. or Facebook whatever it was yeah that 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 is pretty spectacular well uh, I, I had a haircut today that's all I can say so um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's get to it hey we are very pleased uh, in this episode to welcome uh, Laura Tallman Tom uh, Laura you want to introduce yourself and tell people about yourself uh, sure. Hi. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I am extremely excited to be on it. So Good. thank you. Yeah. Um, We're glad you're here. I, oh, I'm a math professor at James Madison University, which is in Virginia. I've been here since 2000. And we don't have graduate students in our department. We only have undergraduate students. And so when I got here, straight out of grad school, I had been studying singular algebraic geometry, and I just could not talk about that with students, like when we were doing undergraduate research, and I switched to not theory. Mm -hmm. I've since switched to many things. I seem to switch to a new hat every year or so. Mm -hmm. uh, my new hat is 3D printing. Uh, I've been doing a lot with mathematical 3D printing, but I think I'm still wearing that math jacket <laughs> while I'm wearing the 3D printing hat. So that's where I am. <laughs> well, it's a very exciting costume. It is. It's a good, <laughs> exciting costume. That is true. Yeah. 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 And for a while, you were the uh, the mathematician in residence at uh, the National Museum of Mathematics, right? At MoMath, that's true. For a semester, I was that, and uh, that was the start of me living in New York City for a couple of years to solve a two-body problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, I spent a couple of years working in industry in 3D printing there, and then I just recently, like last year, came back to the mm -hmm. university. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now have the jacket and hat problem. Right. Well, that, that's, yeah. that's better than the two-body problem. It's better than not having a jacket or a hat. That too. Right, right. So actually, yeah. uh, so I was just I was just visiting James Madison a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Laura's department was uh, very nice to, well, actually, my wife was visiting, and I was just tagging along. So I, I, I crashed their colloquium and just gave one, um, and everybody was really nice. And I, I really, you know, I went to college at Virginia Tech two hours down the road, uh, had never really spent any time in Harrisonburg, but it's a lovely little town. Uh, it is. It's nice very, town. very diverse. I had lunch at an yeah. Indonesian place. I mean, you know, I, oh, I, wow. I, oh, yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. I, I, I can't get that here, you know. I, yeah. I, That's an amazing place. That's it a really is. Good place. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was really great. So um, anyway, so you, uh, you're going to tell us about your favorite theorem, and, and you told us once beforehand, but I've kind of forgotten. But I remember, but it's, 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 it, this is pretty great. So, uh, so, so, Laura, what's your favorite theorem? Well, the, my favorite theorem comes from my not theory phase. Mm -hmm. And so it's a theorem in not theory, but I, I don't know how much not theory I should assume before saying what this theorem is, but maybe I'll talk just to set it up just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, set it up a little bit. Yeah, that would be great. So in not theory, you're interested in studying, say, you know, you tie a shoelace and you connect the ends and then you do that again with a different piece of string and you're wondering if these could possibly be the same knot in disguise, like you could deform one to another. Well, um, of course, we don't study knots in three dimensions like that because no one can draw that. This is, in fact, how I got into 3D printing was trying to print three-dimensional versions of knots that I could 
look at their confirmation. Oh, right. Yeah, very cool. Turn yeah. them around. Let's dive into that. But but really, mathematicians study knots as planar diagrams. So you've got a diagram of a knot with crossings, overcrossings, and undercrossings. You know, a collection of arcs basically in the plane with with crossings. And very old result in knot theory is that if two of those diagrams represent the same knot secretly. Mm -hmm. Right, they might look very different. That there's a sequence of what's known as Reitermeister moves that gets from one to the other. Mm -hmm. So, Reitermeister moves are super simple moves like putting a twist in a strand, or moving one strand over another strand, or moving a strand over or under a crossing. Right, mm -hmm. super simple. Mm -hmm. And it's been proved that that's sufficient. That's all you need to change one diagram into any other equivalent diagram. Okay. Okay. So, my favorite theorem uh, is by Joel Haas. And Jeff, Jeffrey Ligarius, I think mm -hmm. is how his name is. Uh, Haas is from UC Davis right. and Ligarius at Michigan. Mm -hmm. And in 2001, uh, they proved an upper bound for the number of Reitermeister moves that it takes to turn a knot diagram that's secretly unknotted mm -hmm. and turn it into basically a circle, right? The unknot. Yeah. Okay. okay? So uh, they wanted to. They wanted to answer this question. We know we can, if it's unknotted, mm -hmm. turn it into a circle. Mm -hmm. The question is, how many of these Reitermeister moves are you going to need? Right. And right. even worse than that, like if you start out with a knot diagram that has like ten crossings, you might actually have to increase the number of crossings along the way mm. while simplifying the knot. It's not necessarily true that. Uh, the number of crossings will be like monotonically decreasing throughout this Reitermeister move process. You might increase the number of, you might have to increase the number of crossings by a lot. Okay. okay so this is a non-trivial question of how many Reitermeister moves. So they said, okay, look, um, we want to find this one constant um, that uh, will give you an upper bound for any, any knot that's trivial uh, to unknot it. Right, number of Reitermeister moves. And they said that the bound would be of the form two times a constant times n, where n is the number of crossings, right? So if it's 10 crossing knot, it would be like two to the 10 times this constant, Okay. right? Okay. Um, so I was playing around with some numbers, like for example, if um, you had a six crossing knot, mm -hmm. right? And if the constant happened to be 10, mm -hmm. right? Then this would be two to the 60, which is over a quintillion. That's a lot. Okay, so if that constant were 10 and you're not started out even with just six crossings, this is a big number. But that is not the bound that they found. It's not 10. Their theorem, my favorite theorem, mm -hmm. is that they came up with a bound for the maximum number of Reitermeister moves that would be needed to unknot a trivial knot. Mm -hmm. And that constant is 2 to the 10 to the 11th power times n. So the constant is 10 to the 11th power. So 2 to the quantity. 10 to the 11th power times n. Wow. So I put this into Wolfram Alpha Okay. with n equals 6, right? So okay. say you have a 6 crossing knot, it's not so bad. Yeah. And uh, and I put in, you know, 2 to the 10 to the million and then also times 6 in the uh -huh. exponent. And do uh -huh. you know what? I just did that this afternoon. Do you know what Wolfram Alpha said? It couldn't do it. I've never it seen this. It. it said nothing. It just said, <laughs> it said it broke it. Yeah, it didn't like spin and think about it, and it didn't attempt to say something. It literally just pretended that I did not press the button. So this is a really big number. It's a really big number. And this, yeah. you know what it should have done? It should have given you the shrug emoji. Yeah, yeah, that would be great if it had that. That would be perfect. 
So reason is my favorite theorem. I, I guess there's a lot of reasons, but just the primary reason is this is ridiculous, right? Like <laughs> if, you, if you have a, a six crossing knot, there's no way you're going to need even a quintillion Reitermeister moves mm -hmm. in reality, right? Like if I actually physically give you a six crossing knot, you're not going to need a, a quintillion Reitermeister moves, let alone this number of silence, right? That mm -hmm. Wolfram Alpha can't even calculate, mm -hmm. right? And so to me, it's just, it's really funny. Uh, and uh, I could talk a little more about that, but it's, you know, it's an important result because it's the first upper bound, which is great, but also it's just, it's ridiculous. It's clearly not sharp, right? In other words, they didn't cook up an it's example. Where, not sharp. They, they, they didn't cook yeah. up an example where they had to use that many moves. Right. No, they did not. And you know, it is kind of like what happened with the twin prime conjecture, and mm -hmm. people online were looking at sort of the largest gap that you mm -hmm. could guarantee. I don't know if I'm going to say it right. The largest no, right. gap. Yeah, it was seventy million. You could yeah. Eventually, primes would have to appear with that gap between them again. Right. And that gap started out being huge. I don't mm -hmm. know what it was, but it was really big. Yep. And then it got better and better and better and better and better. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, so this is like the first shot in that game for Reitermeister moves is uh, two to the 10 to the 11th times the number of crossings. All, wow. Two to all that. Has anybody yeah. made that Power. better yet? They have, yeah, okay. they have. So uh, that was in 2001, mm -hmm. this exponential upper bound, with very large exponent. And in 2011, uh, two different mathematicians, Coward and Lackenby, I think, proved a different bound that involves an exponential tower. Mm. This gives you an idea of just how big the first bound was if this one is an exponential tower. It's Although it's actually, <laughs> let, me, let me say that slightly differently because this is not necessarily better because their result was actually a little bit differently. Let me back up a minute because their result wasn't taking a knot to the unknot. It was taking any knot to any other knot it was equivalent to. Okay. Okay. So this could well be worse actually. And to tell you the truth, I was not even certain how to type this number into mathematics, into Wolfram Alpha. So it could be, it could be a lot worse. They're bound for the maximum number of Reitermeister moves that you need to take one knot to another knot that it's you know ambient isotopy equivalent to in three space if you had that knot right this is this is, I, mean, I gotta get my piece of paper to look at this their number is what they call exp exp mm -hmm. to the c to the n of n okay so exp mm -hmm. to the c to the n of n so the n is the sum of the crossing numbers of the two knots okay, okay? and um the c to the n C is some constant, right, which is to be determined, could be laughably large, right? Um, and what X means is that it's 2 to the N iterating, iterated that many times. So X mm. to the K would be 2 to the X K of N would be 2 to the N iterated K times. Right, 2 to the so 2, two to, to the 2 to the 2 to the 2 to the, two to the, two to the N. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this number is two to the two to the two to the two to the two of this tower, mm -hmm. and the height of this tower is c to the n, mm -hmm. where n is the number of crossings, and then there's an n at the top of the tower also. Wow. And the number c is 10 to the 1 millionth power. Wow, so this, so this tower, is bad news. This yeah. is very bad. So the tower is 10 <laughs> to the 1 million high. These, they didn't try it all. I'm sure that this is worse than the other one, actually. Yeah. It's gotta uh, be worse, yeah. They didn't try it all to make that low. I did a small example. I did, what if the tower was only length two mm. and there was a six on the top? So two to the two to the sixth. Mm -hmm. 
right? And you do your brackets from the top down, right? So this right. is to the quantity, two to the six. That is over a quintillion. Sure. Yeah, yeah. like this is Graham's yeah. number stuff kind yeah, of. Yeah, this is yeah. 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 Graham's number and that, yeah, the, all that stuff with the arrows, you know, mm -hmm. the, all that stuff. Yeah, and basically you yeah. can't even tell someone how big Graham's number is because you don't have the words to describe the bigness of this number. Yeah. yeah. And and that and even with the tower of length two, I'm getting a quintillion. Mm -hmm. Their length is ten to the one million. I already don't even understand what ten to the one million is. No. <laughs> if, if, you know, you, you know this fact if you pack, I mean, I do. if you pack the known if you pack the known universe with protons, you know how many there'd be? No. Ten to the hundred and twenty six. That many? Ten to the hundred and twenty six. Oh my god. So ten to the one <laughs> ten to the one million is, you know. It's it. I, I love you know. You you surely seen Powers of Ten, this old Eames movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the known universe just isn't that big. You know, it's like it's it's what you know, ten to the thirtieth across or whatever. You know, it's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and I definitely can't come up with an example that needs this because the heat death of the universe would occur well before we proved That's this right. example yes. needed. That's steps. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that these mathematicians know how funny their result is. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's not just funny. They, like, the proofs are very complicated and have to do with, like, piecewise linear three manifolds and all this. Mm -hmm. I don't understand the proofs. I mean, this is very sophisticated, so I'm not besmirching them by saying it's funny. But yeah. I think they understand, like, how crazy it is to say things like this This uh, coward uh, Lackenby paper. They have a line in there that they're like, notice that this solves the problem of figuring out if two knots are Reitermeister equivalent, because all you have to do, quote unquote, <laughs> is look at every sequence of Reitermeister moves of that length, <laughs> look at them all, <laughs> and then see if any two of them turn out to be the same knot. Boom, solved your problem. All you yeah. have to do. <laughs> all you have to do, problem solved. Right. Yes. But the, I, so earlier you asked if the result had been improved upon, and it has actually, but that wasn't the reference I wanted to say for that. Yeah. It has been improved just three years ago mm -hmm. by Lackenby, one of the authors of yeah. that other result. Yeah. And their result is polynomial. They found oh. a polynomial bound instead of an exponential bound much better. They found, and I, I don't really understand why these particular numbers are involved, but if n is the sum of the number of, uh, no, sorry, if n is the number of crossings to go from a trivial knot to the trivial circle, this is mm -hmm. back to that problem. Yep. It's 236 times n okay. to the 11th power. Okay. That's not so bad. Right. Not so bad. That, that's it, okay. is, it is actually pretty bad. Um, but it's something that Wolfram could calculate. So I did it, for example, with n equals 3. Mm -hmm. So say you have a 3 crossing trivial knot. Mm -hmm. What's the most number of Reitermeister moves that you would need, according to this bound, mm -hmm. to you know, unknot it? Uh, that'd be 236 times 3 mm -hmm. to the 11th power. Uh, that is uh, 2 times 10 to the 31st power, which is 10 nonillion. Yeah, right. Okay. 10 nonillion. Yeah. Yeah. So so this isn't great. <laughs> it's not great, but it had a name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it did not. Rest in scientific notation. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Positive, positive change. Yeah. Okay. It didn't cause Wolfram Alpha to run away in fright. No, I think this is the best one so far. This 2014 result mm -hmm. uh, by Lackenby. I think that's the best one. Well, that's interesting because, you know, like just for the example of three, I would think, you know, if you try like 10 Reitermeister moves, 
that's gotta be it. So, the, you know, there, it yeah. feels like the, the bound has to be like so much lower. It'll be interesting to see is if it's possible yeah. to shrink this down more to meet some, you know, more realistic yeah. bound. And honestly, like three is a ridiculous example. Like I used it because I knew it was the smallest, but right. you're right. If you just think about it, there's really not that many three crossing diagrams that one can draw. Mm -hmm. right. right. Yeah. And of the ones that are trivial, I'm sure you could find a path of Reitermeister moves. That's, I mean, this result isn't made for low crossing knots, really. Right. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I, I think. Uh, or at least not three. Right? Three is right. silly. But you're, you're right. It's got to be way better than this. It's got to be way better than that. Okay. This is this is where, you know, mathematicians and computer scientists just, you know, we're, we're never going to see eye to eye on something like this. The computer scientist mm -hmm. is just going to look at this and go, that's ridiculous. You do you have not solved the problem, right? <laughs> well, they did have a, they, yeah, I agree. It's yeah. not good enough. But they did, they did one side result, this last paper, the 2014 paper. Remember I said that you might have to increase the number of crossings? Mm -hmm. Well, back in the original 2001 paper, Haas and Ligarius were like, Hey, here's a fun corollary. You only have to increase the number of crossings by two to the power of 10 to the 11th times n at most, oh. right? Because you can't have more crossings than what it would take to have your itemized. So that, you know, that's their corollary. Mm. But then in 2014, that bound is actually like super significantly improved. Mm. And they just say it's 7n quantity squared, where n oh. is the number oh. of crossings. Okay. That's not bad at all. So they're saying it doesn't sure. have to get worse than that on your way to mm -hmm. making it the unknown. Of course, you might have to go up and down and up and down and up and down, right? Right, but I guess then, I guess they're saying the most it would ever have to go up is mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so things are getting better. Things are getting better. <laughs> all the time getting better. You can, all yeah. the time, a little bit. So part of the fun of this podcast, aside from just learning about absurd numbers, uh, is that we ask we ask our guests to uh, to to pair their theorem with something? So so what have you chosen to pair your theorem with? Well, that was actually harder to answer than what is your favorite theorem? Sure, I knew the answer to that right away. Uh, but I thought about it, and I've decided that the best thing to pair it with is champagne. Mm, okay. So here's here's why. First of all, you know you should really celebrate that a first upper bound has been mm. found. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And especially in terms of like uh, when you when you have undergraduates who are doing research, this kind of meta question of like, what does it mean to have a first upper bound, like a completely non-practical upper bound? Mm -hmm. Like the fact that that's worthy of celebration is something I want them to know, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be practical. It's the, the theory of having an upper bound is very important. Right. So champagne is like to celebrate, but it's also like to get you over these numbers. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> So like, it, I don't know, maybe it represents how you feel when you're thinking about the numbers or what you need to do once you have been thinking about the numbers is you need a stiff drink, you know, yeah. so yeah. It, it can be for both. Well, and champagne is kind of funny too. It, you know, it's got funny little funny. bubbles and you're always happy when you have it. Like, I think, yeah, it, I think it goes very well with the spirit mm -hmm. of this uh, funny, it's not practical either. Like, no. Yeah, as as drinks go, it's one of the less practical ones. And, and if you get cheap That's champagne, true. cheap champagne will give you a headache, just like these big numbers, right? Right. It's very serious. If you had like a tower of exponential champagne, but you know, yeah, this would be a serious problem. It would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! So uh, we always like to give our guests a chance to to plug anything they're working on. You wanna? Uh, you tweet a lot. I enjoy. I, I, I you do know, tweet a lot. Yeah. 
Um, uh, so if you want to find me online, uh, I online I am usually known as Math Girl. So that's M A T H G R R L, like right girl, but yep. for math. Yep. Uh, so G R R L. So if you're interested in 3D printable mathematical designs, I have a ton of free math designs on Thingiverse under that name, uh, and I also have a shop on Shapeways, which makes you pretty 3D printed mathematical jewelry and stuff. Um, yeah, and it's it's all really pretty. Um, yeah. Thanks. So you also um, you have a blog. Is is Hacktastic still going? Hacktastic is still there. A lot of it has been taken over by these tutorials that I've been writing about three D printing with like a million different types of software. But if you go to mathgirl.com, uh, Hacktastic is one of the tabs on that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I like that one. Thanks. All over the internet. Yeah. Yeah, she will definitely uh, bring bring some joy to your life in on Twitter and on uh, <laughs> 3D printing worlds. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much for being on here, and I'm definitely gonna look up these papers and try to to conceptualize these numbers a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I these are very big numbers. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank thank you, thank yeah. you so much. It's been really fun talking about this, and thank Thanks. you for asking. Yes, what my favorite thing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Land. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chan Wen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudsen.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at NivikNazdunk, that's Kevin spelled backwards, followed by Knudsen spelled backwards, and Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M. That's at My Favorite Theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics.